essence of the Christian life. Jesus in our midst. And that is also a major theme that we find throughout the Bible. You see, Jesus is eternal. Jesus always has been in the midst of all that God is. At creation, when there was no more than a mist, Jesus was in the midst. Amen? Colossians 1.6, the Bible says, For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, and all things were created through him and for him. In Exodus chapter 8, God said that the ten plagues that were sent to Egypt were sent so that they would know that the Lord was in the midst of the land. Jeremiah proclaimed in chapter 14, You, are, O Lord, are in the midst of your people. Daniel reported that one like the Son of God was standing in the midst of the fiery furnace where Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stood. As a baby, Jesus stood in the midst of the shepherds and the wise men. As a little boy, Jesus stood in the midst of the religious leaders in the temple. And as God the Holy Spirit, Jesus is in the midst of his people today. If you know that, say amen. amen. Praise the Lord for that. Jesus said, where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the, say it with me, midst. Amen. Praise God. At Calvary, Jesus was in the midst of sinners. The Bible says that they crucified him, him with two others, one on either side. And guess where Jesus was? Jesus was in the, in the midst. As a lamb in Revelation, Jesus stood in the midst of the throne of God. At our, as a resurrected Lord, Jesus stands in the midst of his people today. And let me just tell you this, friend. On the evening of the very first Easter Sunday, Jesus stood in the midst of his disciples. Here's how John put it. In John chapter 20, verse 26, he said, After eight days, his disciples were again inside and Thomas with them. Jesus came, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace be to you. Why is this theme repeated so often? Could it be that Jesus in our midst is really the key to a joyful Christian life? Could it be that Jesus in our midst is the key to the unity of his church? Could it be that Jesus in the midst is the key to us being successful Christians and effective witnesses for his glory? 
It absolutely could be that. So friends, listen, as we meet together in this place this morning, our deepest desire ought to be that Jesus be in our midst. I pray that you've come here looking forward to that, looking forward to Jesus being in our midst. Did you know that you can have Jesus in the midst of your life? You can have that. You see, there are some people that have no room for Christ. There are others that have some room for Christ. But I'm here to tell you this morning that Jesus wants every room, amen, in your life. See, that word midst comes from the word middle. Jesus wants to be the very center of our lives, connecting it all together. Jesus should be in the midst of our work life. He should be in the midst of our hobbies. He should be in the midst of our family, of our ministries, of our relationships. For you see, friend, there is no Christian on the face of this planet who can be spiritual, powerful, and growing unless Jesus is in the midst. Praise the Lord. I hope you know that today. Today, John known as the disciple whom Christ loved, tells us some benefits, some benefits of Jesus being in our midst. On page 962, in the Bibles in front of you, I want you to follow along with me in John chapter 20. Just four verses this morning, but they couldn't be more critical to having Jesus in your midst. Page 962 John chapter 20, and I'm going to begin in verse 19. The disciple whom Jesus loved writes, Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, that's the first Sunday, amen, that's Sunday morning, Sunday Easter morning, when the doors were shut where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst and he said to them, Peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands, and he showed them his side. And then the disciples were glad. They were glad when they saw the Lord. Verse 21, And so Jesus said to them again, Peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. Benefits to having Jesus in our midst. You see, Jesus in our midst, first of all, makes us peaceful. Did you notice it there in verse 19? The same day on that Easter Sunday morning when the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came, praise God and stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be with you. Peace be with you. You know, one of my favorite chapters in the whole Bible is Philippians chapter 4. And in verse 6 and verse 7, the Bible says, Be anxious for nothing. Don't worry about nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, listen to this, let your requests be made known to God. Amen? But here comes the good part. 
and the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That word passes, passes all understanding is short for surpasses. And so what that means is, is that God's peace goes far beyond what you and I can handle. You want to know the truth about God's peace? Well, you can't handle the truth. Amen? We can't handle it. Friends, you need to know that God's blessing for us is so great in this realm of peace. Have you ever considered what a great blessing it is to have your problems mount up? One on top of the other to have our problems pile up so high that you can't possibly solve them? Have you ever thought about what a blessing that is? It is a blessing. I don't get happy and stuff when my problems come, but I'm saying this. We ought to be glad when our problems are more than we can handle. Why? Because when you realize that, when you finally come to that place where you realize you can't handle your problems anymore, then you've taken the first step. The first step to overcoming worry and receiving God's peace into your life. You can't handle it all. Amen? We can't handle it all. I think sometimes that we try to assume far more responsibility for things in our lives than God ever intended. He wants us to place that burden on him. Jesus gives us some sound advice. In John chapter 14, verse 27, he said, Peace I leave you. He said, Peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled. Let it not be afraid. So why shouldn't we be afraid? Why shouldn't we be troubled? Because we got Jesus in our midst, praise God. Amen? And with Jesus in our midst, we can be made peaceful. But there's something else you need to know. Jesus in our midst also makes us joyful. Look in verse 20 quickly. When he said this, when Jesus said this, he showed them his hands and he showed them his side. Then the disciples were glad. He, they were glad when they saw the Lord. Throughout the earthly ministry of Jesus, we're told that we have many reasons to be of good cheer. Why on earth should we be of good cheer? Well, number one, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you've got forgiveness for your past. That's a big thing to be thanking the Lord for, amen? Matthew 9, 2, the Bible says that Jesus, seeing their faith, said to a paralytic, Son, be of good cheer. Your sins are forgiven you. That's a great reason to be of good cheer. Two, you have comfort for your present. In Matthew 14, as Jesus walked on water to his disciples, immediately Jesus spoke to them. And what did he say? Be of good cheer. It's I. Don't be afraid. Amen. We have comfort for our present. But we also have victory for our future. In John chapter 16, verse 33, Jesus said, In this world, you're going to have some tribulation. In this world, you're going to have some sorrow. In this world, you're going to have some trial. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Praise the Lord. See, for believers, for followers of Jesus Christ, 
The sin of the past has been blotted out. How would you like to have all the evil, wicked, mean things you've ever said or done blotted out? Amen? Never to be held against you again. I would want that, amen? But also, not only the past, but we have fellowship, the fellowship of Christ for the here and now. For our present. And furthermore, the future will reveal that Jesus Christ is the conqueror of this world. Praise the Lord for that. Friends, listen. This joy that I'm talking about, it's possible. You can have it. If you're lacking joy in your life, you can have this kind of joy. You can live this kind of joy-filled life. Why? Because Jesus wants to be in the midst of the believer's life. Wow. But not only does Jesus in our midst make us peaceful, not only does it make us joyful, but Jesus in our midst also makes us useful. Look in verse 21. So Jesus said to them again, Peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. As the Father sent me, I also send you. You know, as Christian servants, as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, there are four things that we ought to be. We ought to be a mouth that speaks for Jesus. We ought to be feet that go places for Jesus. We ought to be hands that work for Jesus. And we ought to have a heart that loves people like Jesus. Let me be a little more specific and expand on those quickly. We use our mouths as Christians to invite people and to tell others about what God is doing here. That's part of the John 3.16 Sunday. It's just an opportunity for you to give a card to somebody that doesn't have a church family and say, I want to invite you to come be a part of our family, to come and see what God is doing in our midst. Amen? But we also use our mouths to speak the truth in love. Sometimes we have to use our mouths to say, I'm sorry. We must use our mouths to encourage a fallen brother or sister. But we must also use our mouths to tell children about Jesus. We use our mouths to disciple, to teach, and to train others how to be effective Christians. So when Jesus said, I'm sending you, you know what he's saying? Use your mouth. Amen. Some of you know how to use it far too much. Amen. But use your mouth. I gave you a mouth. Use it, praise God, for the glory of him. But we also need feet. We need feet who will faithfully bring us to worship, faithfully bring us to life groups, faithfully bring us in the midst of the week to CIA and BYG on Wednesdays. We need feet that will answer the call to serve God wherever he wants. We need feet that will jump at the opportunity, friend, to take the life-saving news of Jesus Christ to those who are in dire need. Friend, what an opportunity. Drop a card. Drop a card and let them hear the gospel-saving good news of John 3.16. So we need our mouths. We need our feet 
But you know what? We also need hands. Hands that will work here with our church family. We need hands that will help one another. We need hands that will hold the hands of little children. Hold their hands. Those little children that God has entrusted to our care. We need hands that will point others to Jesus. See, I needed a volunteer. Where's Lydia at? Lydia, come on up here, girl. I want to give you an illustration of how important it is to use your hands. Amen? See, you're getting tall. Okay. Is that about right? All right. So I'm just going to ask you some questions, okay? Is that all right? Mm-hmm. All right. I want you to hold that. Hold it up high so everybody can see it. If I said to that glove, Mr. Glove, pick up that Bible. Could it do it? Huh? That Bible is not being picked up. Can that glove pick it up by itself without your help? Why? Maybe it doesn't know how. Put the Bible back down. Let's teach, let's teach that glove how to do it. Okay. So it's got a thumb and it's got fingers, right? So, okay, Mr. Glove, put your thumb underneath and your fingers on top and squeeze. All right. Now lift up that Bible. Just the glove, silly. <laughs> the glove can't do it. What's the deal? Why can't that glove pick up that Bible? It's got fingers and thumbs. Why can't it do it? Huh? Could it be that that glove is dead? Could it be that that glove don't have any life? Yeah. Could it be that that glove is powerless yeah. by itself? Now put your hand inside. Now let's see now if that glove can pick up that Bible. Whoa, that's pretty awesome right there. What's the deal? All of a sudden now the glove's got power. The glove's got strength, amen. Now anything that that hand can do, that glove can do. Is that right? Almost dropped it in your head, didn't you? <laughs> amen. So now anything is possible for that glove. Anything as long as your hand is in it. You know what that glove would say if it could talk? It would say, I can do all things through the hand that strengthens me. Amen? Y'all getting my drift? Amen? Here's what I want you to know. We are the glove. Jesus is the hand. Y'all getting me? We are the glove. Jesus is the hand. Thank you very much. You've been a, a great assistant. <laughs> Where's your shoes? I don't have to wear shoes. Amen? But listen, there's one big difference, y'all, between this glove and this hand. When Jesus Christ found us, we were dirty gloves. We were dirty on the inside and we were dirty on the outside. And so Jesus died to cleanse us so that we could be used by the hand of God. 
You see, God don't use dirty gloves. Amen? But now that we're clean, Jesus says, I was sent, I also send you. I was sent, now I want you to be my mouth, I want you to be my feet, I want you to be my hands, but most of all, I want you to be my heart. I want you to love people like I love people. But so often, we just don't allow ourselves the opportunity to be used. So often, we don't allow ourselves the opportunity to be sent. I wonder why that is. Could it be that Jesus is not in the midst of our heart? Could it be that Jesus is not in the midst of our thoughts? Could it be that Jesus isn't the center of our lives? So if you're wondering, friend, why God's not using you, maybe you need to examine where Jesus is. Is he in the midst of everything you do? In addition to being peaceful, in addition to being joyful, Jesus in our midst makes us useful. But to wrap it up, Jesus in our midst also makes us powerful. Check out verse 22 for me. And when Jesus said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. Now there's no doubt in my mind that when John wrote this, he had in his mind the story of creation. Are you familiar with how that goes in Genesis 2-7? And the Lord formed man from the dust of the ground. And what did God do? God breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living soul. Have you ever stopped to consider for a second what it is that animates these bodies we live in? What is it that enables us to live? It's not just the cells. What is it that enables us to think? What is it that enables us to relate to God? What is it that enables us to love? Friend, what is it that enables us to make conscious choices in our life? Can I tell you, it's the breath of God. God breathed this world into existence. The Bible says, by the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, and the host of them by the breath of the Lord. When God breathes, something happens, y'all. When God breathes, God's power is revealed. And in 2 Timothy chapter 3, the Bible says that the Bible was given to us by inspiration of God. Inspiration in that context means God breathed. God used human writers, human writers as instruments, and each one sounded a little bit different from the other as God blew his breath through them, and they wrote their respective books. It was the Holy Spirit breath that blew those disciples into action. 
It was the breath of God that saved those 3,000 people on that day of Pentecost. The power was in the breath of God. And it's the same powerful breath of God that will cause you and cause me to be instruments of God's grace that will help other people come to know him. It's the breath of God, y'all. But listen, to receive that power, some things have got to happen. You and I must first die. We must die to self. So many of us are so wrapped up in ourselves, so wrapped up in our own little world, that God can't breathe life into us. There is nothing, friend, that God can't do through you. You don't have to be gifted. You don't have to be talented. You don't have to be capable. You just have to be dead to self and ready to be used by God. I mean, friend, sometimes you just got to get out of the way and let God do his work through you. You know, there's nothing that I can't do with, with Jesus in my midst. There ain't nowhere that I wouldn't go without Jesus in my midst. Friends, there is no limit to what God can do in this church family as long as Jesus is in our midst. Man, there's no peace in my mind. There's no peace I can't find. Because Jesus in my midst makes me peaceful. There's no joy that will elude me because Jesus in my midst makes me joyful. There is no job in the church that will ever go undone because Jesus in our midst makes us useful. Friend, listen, absolutely nothing of eternal consequence will be accomplished without the power of the risen Savior Jesus Christ in our midst. But what is God's promise for you today? What's God's promise for you? God's promise for you today is this. Peace, joy, purpose, and power as long as Jesus is in your midst. That's the promise of God for you today. So you feel like you need a little peace in your life? Do you feel, friend, like you're lacking the joy that you seek? Do you sometimes feel like you're a, a ship sailing without a sail? You have no purpose in your life? Are you feeling helpless, hopeless, powerless? I want you to know that if you're ready, ready to die to self and ready to live for Christ, he is ready to live in your midst. So it begins with you. Dying to self, living for Christ. So what do you say? Is today your day? To give up living for self so that you can live for Christ? You know, the Bible says is that if you will confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead on that first Easter Sunday morning, you will be Saved. For it's with the heart, friend, that we believe 
It's with the mouth that we confess. So what do you say? Is today your day for a brand new life? Let's pray. Father in heaven, we praise you and we thank you for this glorious day and this incredible opportunity. Father, not only to worship you and to praise you, but also, Lord, to have your words expounded before us. And, Father, I pray that the words you've given us this morning will cause change. 